you guys are having an amazing week so far and welcome to February. Just like that. Well, some people think it was long, but just like that, the first month of the year is over and happy Black History Month. Um, For those of you who found February a little rocky emotionally, mentally, in any type of way, um, I just want to let you know that it's over and now it's time to push and do what you need to do. Some people all like I have some people who I know who always make the joke that January is like the trial month and that February is actually when the month or the year starts for them. So February is their actual new year. So if that's the case and things in January started off a little rocky, take some time to reassess and get back on it. We still have so much time. First of all, we're not even through the first quarter yet. So even if you're dividing into quarters, we're not even halfway through Q1. So let alone one 11th or 112th through the year. So there's still a lot of time. Just stay focused, reassess, get back on whatever you fell off of and trust and have faith that there's still more than enough time for you to do what you want to do. Uh, I hope you guys had some time to meditate on the words to live by for last week, which were reciprocity isn't always linear. And it's interesting because I was having a conversation with someone and it occurred to me that if you believe in destiny, which I do, things are going to happen, whether some things are going to happen, whether we like them or not, they've been written before we were here on earth. And if you believe in destiny and you agree that destiny will always hold, if reciprocity was linear and we only reaped where we sowed at the most, what, what that would do would be to push forward the inevitable. So if we did good at a job and we're meant to be fired, but reciprocity is linear as a concept. What would happen would be instead of us being fired today on February the 5th, 2020, because we, we still have some good energy and some good things that we've sown, we might end up still being fired. Well, we will end up still being fired because reciprocity is linear but we might end up getting fired in October because we have enough good good energy to hold us till then so what I found with this that kind of gave me hope and positivity in the fact that reciprocity isn't linear is the fact that if destiny is going to hold in a negative way I'd rather take all the good that I've sown and take that and reap it somewhere where there's more benefit to me. And sometimes the situations we're in, whether it's a job that we don't like, a relationship that's meant to end, we've exhausted what we need to from there and dragging it on further when the inevitable is the ending, it's just a waste of our time and our energy. Whereas all the good we've sown can be taken and since reciprocity isn't always linear, it's just we will reap what we sow, not necessarily where. I would much rather take all the good I've put into not so good places, situations, people, and reap the benefits where I will enjoy it, where I'll be happier and where it can last forever or last longer than this place where destiny has said this is going to come to an end, whether you like it or not. So that's just what I really took away from it. And I think it's a positive because 
I'd rather, as I said, take all my good and get it where, where it has more value than to just get it where I, where I started it, you know? And maybe that's something that you guys can look at, especially when you're feeling like you've put in your energy into, you've put your energy into something and you're not receiving the results that you want or things aren't going your way or you feel like you don't deserve what's happening to you. Sometimes we don't deserve what's happening to us. That's just a part of life, but we eventually, everything eventually makes sense. That's one thing that I can say I know and that has continued to show itself true in my life is that everything just eventually makes sense. It sucks that in the moment of sadness, heartbreak, tragedy, we don't understand because if we got a glimpse into the future as to why the the path went the way it did, it would be a little easier to reconcile and a little easier to get over it. But just the knowledge that I've accrued through the years of going through ups and downs is enough for me to know that, yeah, this is trash right now, but this trash is going to make sense in the long run. So I really hope that helps you guys. And I, I hope that it gives you a chance to look at things in a more positive light and keep going. Don't, don't let life turn you into a version of yourself that you wouldn't even like because people have done things to you that you don't deserve. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, I'm just going to get right into our talk for this week. And this week I'm going to be talking about black mental health. So as I said, happy black history month. This is black history month. This is the first episode of mine in February. So my first episode for black history month, I'm hoping I say hope because I, my episodes kind of come to me on a weekly basis, even though I'd prefer for them to come to me in stacks so I can prepare but it's usually Friday and sometimes Tuesday when I finally get the idea of what I really want to talk about for the episodes on Wednesday so for this month my hope is to make to talk about things pertaining to the black community it can be black community in general Nigerian community as a micro black females as a micro I don't know yet but that's my hope and all we can account for is this week and this week thinking about what is a prevalent issue in the black community as someone who is a black female, Nigerian descent, first generation with immigrant parents. The one thing that really just came to my mind, and I think I've spoken about it lightly in previous episodes was mental health. And also since last week was Bell Let's Talk. And also with the whole passing of Kobe Bryant and the the emotions I've seen, especially from some, I'd say, black men who seem stoic and who seem non-emotional or, well, not non-emotional, but more so non-expressive of their emotion. The whole Kobe situation really rocked people and some people have been admitting to being super emotional, to crying every single day and things like that. And it's important to realize that this is a real thing and that emotion we all feel emotions, but for some people to, because of this situation, to be very vulnerable and vocal about the the difficulties they're going through, grappling with the thought of this tragic and unexpected loss, has really got me thinking about how black, um, how the black community as a whole really thinks about mental health and the issues that come along with it. So, for those of you who are not black. African Caribbean, African American, African Canadian descent, mental health is an extreme taboo. 
And it's just probably more recently that we're coming along, coming around in understanding the importance of acknowledging mental health and its issues as a real thing. But it's one of those things that is really met with avoidance and pacification. When you, to talk about sadness is one thing, but to say I'm depressed is something that's often met with a lot of, you'll be all right, or a lot of stop saying that, God forbid, kind of kind of talk, whereas these issues are very real and they can't be denied and they can't be pushed to a corner. Well, they can be pushed to a corner, but in doing so, they do not go away. So what I wanted to talk about for the remainder of this episode is some common reasons and phrases used to deter or debunk mental health in the Black community and why they're BS, <laughs> pretty much. So the first one that I want to talk about is the phrase that that's for white people or the whole notion that mental health is or mental health issues or seeking therapy is for for white people. Um, this is BS because brains have no race. Brains have no ethnicity. Yes, we are shaped. And I'm not going to sit here and ever devalue the the negative effects and the the issues that are faced by certain groups of people and how it can affect the brain. I'm not a scientist, but I've read that this is the case, especially with slave slavery and the trauma of slavery for 400 years in the United States and what it did to pretty much the genetic makeup of people who are descendants of slaves. But that is not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the fact that people believe that receiving mental health care and having mental health issues that you can't overcome is a uniquely Caucasian phenomenon. But that is not the truth. We all go through these things. Maybe what has happened over time, which I believe to be true, is that our culture has made certain cultures, so Caucasian culture in some aspect, mind you, I'm not all encompassing because even though I'm talking about black mental health, it's not all black people. Many black people do go to therapy. I know black people who go to therapy. So if you're going to take this and misconstrue it as me painting with one brush, you're mistaken. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just talking about something that is still very seen and important in our community that I think needs to be discussed. But back to the topic, um, even watching TV in shows in media, you'll see the white therapist with the white clients or the white couples or the white families. It's something that is seen as a normalcy for white people, whereas black people are not really seen in that light. And although media is not the truth, it does kind of to some extent reflects some things that are actually prevalent or stereotypical in the community. So the whole talk of therapy being for white people is one of the deterrents that make it so that when people in the black community are dealing with issues and they know that this is a little above me, they don't even want to talk about it or, or get the help they need because they feel that they're doing something outside of the norms of their race. But as long as you have a brain and it's in your head and it's having some type of issues and your mind is playing tricks on you or making you feel a certain way, that's enough justification for you, irrespective of what your skin looks like on the outside for you to get some type of help. The second way that um, healthcare is 
sorry, mental health care is deterred is with the whole pray about it slash demonic possession route. Um, as you guys know, I'm Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I am religious. And for many of you guys who are religious or who have religious family members, I'm sure you've heard the whole pray about it message. When you're going through something and you go to that person, you finally muster up the courage to go to somebody and tell them that this is what I'm feeling. And they tell you, oh, you just need to pray and fast about it. Some things, wake up call cannot be solved only by prayer and fasting. And it's interesting because if you came to someone with a broken leg and said, this leg is really hurting me and it's broken, there is, <laughs> they would never tell you to pray that away. And that's the separation we have between physical health and mental health, especially in the black community that has us seeing things in an incorrect light. Because when your brain is broken, I say broken loosely, it's just as painful and long-term impactful as leaving a broken leg unattended to. And the other side of this whole pray about it conversation is the whole demonic possession conversation that also takes place. So people, sometimes people will have kids who maybe have autism or developmental disorder or someone who's going through things who maybe has bipolar disorder. And especially when there's a lack of education, people will look at it and say, Oh, that's his, that's his wife's family that <laughs> cursed him and is causing him to run mad. Not everything is running mad. Some things can literally be fixed with some therapy and some medication. And the fact that we take this concept of religion and use it to justify things that are not necessarily justifiable by religion is BS because what it does is makes people scared of situations and paranoid when in fact there is a logical and medical explanation as to why they're feeling what they're feeling and what they can go through. Because if we pacify m mental health disorders as demonic possessions, what happens is that those people go from pastor to pastor, church to church, up and down, praying and casting and binding and fasting when all they really needed to do was seek medical attention. And when we talk about religion, the same way God created the heavens and the earth, he created doctors, surgeons, and also doctors who are therapists. So in the same way that we take these people who God has given the ability to learn and operate on these professional levels of the medical spectrum, therapists are one of them. So the same way if your fever is running too high and you've prayed it away and you can't, you go to a doctor. If your mind is doing too much and you feel unnormal, um, like unnormal, even though I don't even know if that's a word, but not yourself, those same resources created by God are available to you and should be used by you. Um, and this is one of the things I, especially with, um, I'd say kids and in the whole education system, but it's something a little tricky. So I'm not going to get into it too much, but there are times when there are kids who are on the spectrum who do need medical help or medical intervention or therapeutic intervention in the issues that they're going through. And parents will 
be adamant that that's not the case with their child. Mind you, everybody's child is their own. You could do whatever you want with them. But to base that adamant opposition to those situations on the fact that you you want to pray about it is sometimes unwise. And God has given us all of these resources. They come from him. So it's important to look at those resources and understand when a situation requires prayer and when a situation requires booking an appointment with a specialist to get to the bottom of it. The third phrase slash reasoning, I'd say this one's more of a phrase, is um, when people say, oh, he just has a temper or, oh, he's just moody or, oh, she just has a temper, she's just moody. It's it's important to know the difference between what is just a blip or an emotional moment and what is something that is prevalent and chronic and needs to be dealt with. Because if you if you have someone in your life who gets super moody and super down all the time and we keep brushing these things off as, oh, that's just how she is. That's just how he is. He just has a really bad temper. Sometimes, guys, I don't know how to tell you this, those can be chemical imbalances. That can be severe depression. That can be seasonal depression. Oh, she just gets moody in the winter. If someone hasn't left their room or left the house in like maybe three weeks, hasn't been able to take a shower, get themselves out of it, let's not call that moody. Let's not undermine the severity and importance of the things people are going through by giving it names of common situations. Because yes, there are times when we can be sad and down. Like I, I have some really sad days, some really down days, and not all of those days are depression, you know, but it's also important to understand that if I've been sad and down for two to three weeks, maybe I am going through a moment of depression and maybe just getting out of that funk is not going to be the a solution in this one moment. So we need to look at situations and not just brush them off. We need to actually notice the patterns. And if this thing is going a little more, a little further than normal, we need to get the proper attention and give it the respect that it deserves, which is not diminishing it to just, oh, she just gets mad because we do get mad. I I'm someone who's learning to deal with my temper in certain situations. I've really gotten much more control over it. But if somebody gets enraged over the littlest things constantly, maybe there's more to it than just, ah, oh, you know, she she's just antsy or he, he just he's just easily triggered. There might be more to it. So let's not take these regular words and use them as a way to brush off issues that are much bigger and have greater implications than those words. The fourth phrase is what happens in this house stays in this house. Oh my gosh. As I speak about that, I get goosebumps because I know it's one of those things that is very common in the black community. And I'm sure in many other cultures, but I'm black. I can't really speak on what happens outside of the culture and the community that I've been exposed to. So I'm sure this whole, what happens in this house stays in this house happens a lot in rich cultures because the Royal family, I'm sure they have a lot of secrets (laughs) and a lot of things like that going on. But what happens with this whole, what happens in this house stays in this house commentary is that it breeds a culture of secrecy and it breeds a culture of defending the wrong person because usually 
this whole what happens in this house stays in this house situation is brought on by the fact that let's go with something that's really common that happens, um, sexual assault. Um, the show Greenleaf on Netflix and on OWN is one of the examples. Um, this is hypothetical and sorry, this is fictional, but there was an uncle, the mother's brother was sexually assaulting the mother's daughter. And the daughter told the mom and the mom didn't listen or the mom said, oh, my brother would never, whatever it is. And the daughter ended up committing suicide at the end of it. And this is just a version of what happens in this house stays in this house. It's the whole premise that our family can deal with the issues that we're going through without bringing in external intervention. But I tell you guys, there are some times when there needs to be external intervention. There are some times where the police need to be called. There are some times where some people do need to be arrested. Even if it's your uncle, brother, cousin, niece, sister, nephew, like I'm not just saying males because these things happen on both ends. It's just usually males who (laughs) who do these things. But, um, what that does is it puts in the minds of the victim that there is a loyalty and that loyalty is to the family over themselves. And when we keep saying what happens in this house stays in this house, what happens is that the house ends up being set on fire and everybody sits inside and burns. There's no way when we think of this protection mentality and, and the whole, we don't want our name to be ruined in the streets or whatever it is there's always a victim and that victim may not speak up about it or on the effects that it has. And even the people who are protecting somebody who doesn't deserve protection are also um, subconsciously or consciously messing themselves up mentally because you have to, there's going to always be a dissonance and that's going to be, I know this thing is wrong and I know if I let it be known that it's wrong, there's going to be some repercussions. And because I don't want there to be, negative consequences but I still know that this thing is wrong there comes a point where you have to balance the two in your mind and what happens is that people start to brush it off or pacify or um justify the behavior that that person did and often turn the victim into the the bad one in the situation so that's one of the ones that I really think is something that we really need to deal with and it's bs because People, when people are trash and they do horrible things that are affecting people, it's it's in our best interest to not protect those people for no reason. The fifth is the no money slash waste of money justification as to not get mental health, um, not to seek medical attention in the situation of mental health issues and things like that. First of all, I have to start by saying for Canada, we have, I don't actually, I'm not even sure. I don't think therapists are covered in our healthcare. No, they're not. So if we now look at racialized individuals and the fact that they've been disproportionately at a disadvantage, you can, from that aspect, justify and understand why it is that people aren't going to want to spend their money on going to to, to a head doctor <laughs> as as I'll call it. And the whole issue of finances and where it, it's important to place our money is one of the things in the black community that I find is used to justify the reasons why mental health is not at the top of the priority, unless 
you got some medical health insurance from work that covers that stuff. And then maybe you can go talk to somebody. And I think this is BS saying it lightly because we, our mental health is as, is as important as our physical health. But the fact that we don't see it like that yet lets us justify the fact that it's a waste of money. But if you were to break your leg, you wouldn't not go to the doctor to get a cast, even if it costs money, because some issues and some situations cannot be healed by Vicks, cannot be healed by ginger ale and crackers. Some things need to be, (laughs) some things need to be dealt with by a professional. So when, when we start to put, physical health and mental health on the same platform, that's when it's going to become easier for us to justify the expense that it will cost to get the mental medical attention that is necessary for our premium mental health. The last and final phrase that is used a lot is I'm not weak. And I'm going to sit here and admit that I'm that person who sometimes when I'm going through things will not express it because of the fact that I don't want to be perceived as weak or unable to do it. And especially with society and the whole strong black man, strong strong black woman narrative, it makes it difficult to sometimes admit that we're going through things. And what I found with that is that weakness is actually the path of least resistance. And when you think of talking to somebody about an issue you've been going through, that actually takes a lot of strength and it takes a lot of fighting against yourself. So to express your issues and acknowledge that you need help is actually a very strong and difficult thing to do because it's easier for us to brush those things off and not talk about it and man up and boss up and do whatever we want to do on our own. It's actually harder to sit down with someone and say, hey, I'm really going through it. And I need to talk to you. So the whole weakness thing is actually flipped on its head because weakness will always be the path of least resistance. And to be vulnerable for many of us is the path of most resistance. So those are my six points. And I just wanted to reiterate again that health is health. Mental health, physical health. Mental health and physical health are actually so interconnected when you hear bad news, do you not physically get sick to your stomach sometimes? Do you not physically vomit sometimes? It's because our minds and our bodies are so connected. And trust me, when I'm going through a lot of emotional stress, sadness, and difficulties, it shows up in so many different ways in my body. One, like I gain weight, which is trash. (laughs) Um, Two, I get debilitating migraines, like debilitating. I get bad stomach aches. I get lingering headaches that can sometimes last for long periods of time. So it's important that we know and acknowledge the fact that health is a full circle situation and that neglecting one part of our health because it's not as um, jarring and staggering because it, as I said, I'm going to stick with my broken leg theory. When your leg is broken and it's leaned to the left (laughs) or your foot is like turned on its back, it's very obvious to see. It's obvious from people looking on the outside. It's obvious for you. The pain is very prominent, but mental health is a little more hidden because we can't see our insides, we can't see our mind. Yes, sometimes our angers and our depressions and our anxieties do manifest themselves 
outwardly through maybe discussion or behavior, but a lot of times these are internal battles that can't be seen. And it's important to understand the fact that just because it cannot physically be seen and cannot be pointed to as, oh, that leg is swollen, doesn't mean that it doesn't have the same effect and it's not on on par in terms of importance. And we need to understand that brokenness begets brokenness and stigma begets stigma. So these issues and these phrases and reasonings that I have mentioned prior were not learned today. Our parents learned it from their parents who learned it from their parents and so so on and so, so forth, so much so that they've become cultural and connected through many people. You, When you see those memes of somebody talking about something that happens in a black household and you're like, did we all grow up with the same parents? No, but it's because these things and these mentalities have been passed down from generation to generation and have become so much a part of our culture that everybody can relate to them. But it's important to understand that misinformation and wrong direction can be passed down from generation to generation. So just because you you believe that this whole mental health thing is a white people issue, black people don't go through it, and your 10 friends believe that, and their grandmamas believe that, and their fathers believe that, does not mean that it's still not incorrect, and it's based on a foundation of the wrong ideals. So... I want you guys to just realize that just because everyone around you is saying the same thing doesn't mean you guys aren't all saying the wrong thing. (laughs) Um, So I think that now for us, and by us, I mean the demographic who I think mostly listen to my podcast, which is millennials, young people in that kind of mid twenties to like mid thirties transitional phase in their life we have been blessed with the opportunity to have more knowledge. We, Yes, we still have our traditional ideals in some sense. We know those things our parents say, but we can also step away from that and understand why certain things they say and the way they believe, although it's justified to them, may not resonate or be correct in the grand scheme of things. So us equipped with that knowledge, access to Google and the internet, social media and education, it's our job and our responsibility to break these chains of these negative stigmas and this brokenness that has been passed down from generation to generation with the knowledge that we have. It's it's up to us because if we don't do it, we're going to have kids who are going to go through the same type of issues we went through and they're going to have parents who were like the parents that some of us may have had where we didn't feel comfortable talking to them or who brushed off the issues and we were going through these things by ourselves or we were going through it in a way that wasn't as beneficial and we don't want there are certain situations that we went through as kids and now that we've grown up, we realize the effects they had on us and we're working to undo that damage. We're working to break those chains and like break those generational curses. And I think it's our responsibility to now do that work so that when we have kids or when we have access to the future generation of young people, we can equip them so that they're not playing catch up of trying to undo damage because we've already undone it so that when those situations arise in our lives or in the lives of the children and the young people around us, we can see it and mitigate those risks from the jump so that they're not having to do the work we did. The way we move forward is by 
fixing the errors of our past so that the next generation won't have to fix those before they can go. Instead, they'll be able to go right away. So, and if you can go without stopping to fix the broken tires, the brokenness, the sadness, the stigma, and the issues, you're going to get much further because those pit stops, whether you like it or not, do do make your ETA to greatness a little longer at the end of the day. And one thing for maybe some older generation people who might be listening is that when I'm sure all of you guys or many of you guys, when you gain weight, those adults in your life have a way of really telling you that, oh, you've gained weight. I need us to keep the same weight gain energy because we think it's unhealthy. We need to keep that same energy of expressing our concerns maybe a little nicer though because sometimes you walk in you haven't seen someone in a few years ah you've gotten fat like that's painful like let's not do that anymore let's be better but that energy of letting when you see someone physically being unhealthy and you need to tell them let's keep that energy with when we see someone's behavior not being the best possible for them And I say for them because some of us are more temperamental. For me, what might be seen as an extreme behavior might be normal for somebody else because we're all kind of wired differently. So let's keep that same you've gained weight, your unhealthy energy when we see somebody going through something or behaving in a way that we know is not normal to them and may be affecting their mental health. So yeah, that's just it. I really hope that helps you guys and it gives you a chance to look at some things and do some healing on your own. Like it's one thing to talk about the stigmas and how the interpersonal reactions may be, but we also get to a stage in our lives where we're old enough to make our own decisions. We have our own money. We have our own resources. We don't have to ask anyone for permission to do these things. So look at yourself. And if there's any situations that you're going through that you think are not normal, seek the help you need and seek it for yourself, irrespective of what anybody has to say, because at the end of the day, you're the one living your life and people can see you on the outside, but you're the one living with your brain and the thoughts that go through it and the, the difficulties that you go through. So it's in your best interest to do whatever you can to make sure you're in the right mental space. So I'm just going to get right into my words to live by for this week. And my words to live by are, I'm better when I'm better. And it's simple because we often give a lot to other people. And in giving a lot to other people, they benefit from us. And this is something that brings a lot of us joy. I am a giver. I love to give. I love to see people happy. And there comes a point where you need to understand that you are better at being yourself when you're physically, mentally, and emotionally better. So you will always do a disservice to the people around you when you don't optimize or when you don't prioritize being the best version of yourself possible. And some of us feel like that's selfish to to prioritize ourselves, but it's not. And if it makes it a little easier for you, think of it as I need to, I want to be better for these people around me. I love them and I would do anything for them. And it'll be much easier for me to do anything for them when I'm at the best place possible myself. So yeah, thank you guys so, so much for listening. I have one request for you guys. Please like, share, and leave reviews on my podcast. Um, 
it makes it better for the analytics and everything. If you guys really like what I'm doing, as I said, I'd love for you guys to let it be known. Have an amazing, amazing week and I'll talk to you next week.